everyone, welcome to the Cinema Spooktacular 3, The Search for Spook. That's right, three years Cecily and I have been rounding up all the spooks and scares for Halloween. By the way, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Cecily. The one I've been speaking of. This year, uh, we're doing kind of a format of one contemporary horror flick, a time-tested classic, and wild card. Yeah, can't each, believe it's... Each of our spook searches. Can't believe it's been three years that we've been doing this now yeah a lot of time has passed yeah and uh as always we've been engaging with a lot of people on social media and the forums at baldmove.com during this process we've been kind of loosey-goosey about it we have a long running list of movies that we want to cover and the ones that we choose are kind of just based on what we have time for and what we're in the mood for what we're really excited about so we don't have a really set list before we start this thing Right, and we try to because there's we had a debate. Um, Netflix just dropped a kind of horror film. What was that? That the uh, movie in the shadow of the moon. In the shadow of the moon, and we're like, oh, that's kind of recent, and people probably like it. But you know what? It's not spooky. It's an action film. Right. Like we we have to make some editorial decisions. Make some um, hard cuts along the way. Have to make some hard cuts. We're trying trying to bring us the the spookier, what we think is going to be the spookiest, scariest stuff. And it's not a perfect slate, as we'll find. Mm-hmm. A little word about our release schedule. Um, as befits this podcast, we have a spooky release schedule some have called Unnatural. <laughs> this first episode drops on the 10th of October. The second one drops 10 days later on the 20th, which is a Sunday. Because YOLO. And then the third drops on the 30th of October. That's right. All Hallows Eve. Eve. Spooky. So, the movies we saw for this first edition of the Spooktacular of the Year is Halloween, the original, 1978. Spring, the 2014 uh, uh, movie brought to you by the same people that brought uh, the breakout hit of last Spooktaculars, The Endless. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we saw the Brothers Gun, uh, uh, written David Yarovsky, directed *Brightburn*, which I was really excited about. Mm-hmm. This is a 2019 release. 2019. It's the it's the young blood. <laughs> it's the the new kid on the block. Okay, first movie for the spooktacular is the classic 1978 John Carpenter slasher flick *Halloween*. Mm-hmm. I want to start with the positives of this because, you know, this is an older horror film and it definitely shows its age and right. budget and time constraints. Yeah. If you are, let's just say, if you are a person who's never seen this movie, mm-hmm. then there are, there's a reason to watch it. Mm-hmm. It's not if you, it's not because you are a true horror veteran now and want to go back and have some real spooks because <laughs> it's definitely not that. It's but more- you can see where all all these other things got their bones from yeah it's like is the maltese falcon an incredibly affecting crime movie today no but was it completely foundational and revolutionary for its time yes and i feel like that's where the way halloween can be enjoyed today uh positives i think the soundtrack is amazing Mm -hmm. it's iconic it's tense it still holds up as uh, a cool sounding horror John Carpenter soundtrack. Did the music for the sh- yeah? Okay, I believe so for the movie as well. He did everything. I think the design the design of Michael Myers himself is really solid. Like you know, famously, it's essentially um, a James T. Kirk mask with the eyes slightly widened, with the f- uh, flesh painted like corpse like white color. 
and it is it is spooky and creepy and is anything it's as iconic as uh, jason's mask from friday the 13th i think the camera work was inventive for its time uh it the it was one of the first movies to use a lot of steadicam which is how they got a lot of the like first person pov shots of michael stalking his prey um, clearly that was innovative, innovative, and it was very effective and terrifying and putting you into the scenes. And, you know, it, it, the, this originally worked in 1978 because I was reading Roger Ebert's review and he gave it a perfect four stars. He just went on and on about how terrifying this film is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is one of the main reasons that, you know, you were freed from dolly shots and cranes. And you could just like peek in through windows. You could like uh you know dodge behind the wall as michael myers and i think that really put people into it and a lot of the tropes we take for granted today just the fact that you've got a slasher out there that there's these teenagers all having sex and doing drugs and doing naughty things that are kind of being punished by this weirdo faceless killer were probably all really fresh and interesting uh at the time and i think jamie lee curtis is a really good uh, i think she's the only one in the cast is actually a teenager but she Maybe. plays like a very mature... 40-year-old woman. <laughs> <laughs> she, she plays like a 19-year-old, 40-year-old woman. She's very kind of buttoned down, and she's a quote-unquote good girl. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but she's not judgy of her friends, and she's kind of accommodating to them. But she's kind of caught up in the mix of all this. And, you know, Michael Myers' fascination with her is solely because of kind of like an accidental association Right, because she's just one of the first people he saw. Happens to walk past his childhood home that he's. Then she went right up to the door. Yeah. To deliver a key. Right, Um, because of the the real estate deal that they're they're trying to go down. So. Right. It's. I think it's a. It was a. It was a good movie. I think it. I think I appreciate it a little bit more the second time I've seen it now with you. The first time I just wholly was unex- not expecting what I saw there mm-hmm. from them refraining from using a lot of blood. But also That's the thing that really stat- sticks out is that all of the murders are just very, very tame. Like right. this movie, minus the breasts, could easily be PGPG or PG-13 today. That's what I was going to say. I mean, there's absolutely no shame in you know showing the, the nudity in the movie at all. Mm-hmm. So I wonder why... They didn't do a lot of blood. Maybe it was a budget thing. Because, I mean, it's not just that there's really no blood. There's no visible stab wounds. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm thinking of the the scene in the beginning with his sister when he kills her. Mm-hmm. You know, he comes outside and finds his parents standing on the sidewalk, and his knife is covered in this blood. Right. But she doesn't have any visible stab wounds. But you can clearly see all of her chest and belly. I, I don't know. No slashes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, the, I I think you're probably right. This budget was very small. It's less than three hundred thousand dollars. They had okay. a very tight twenty day filming schedule. So okay, I, that makes more there's sense. There's a couple of takes where it's like, boy, I wonder if they had some time for reshoots. If they could got this because there's a little bit of almost Ed Woodian uh, kind of staging and and things not exactly going right. Right. There's something. There are some shots that I just think are kind of inexcusable (laughs) yeah like him standing in the middle of a sidewalk and you can just see half of him very close up to the camera watching her walk away Mm. and i commented to you that i find it ridiculous that he's wearing this this really silly mask that's painted white and it's got all of this brown hair in the middle of the sidewalk Mm. and you said oh he's not wearing a mask because it has all the hair in it right 
But, you know, anybody driving by would see that. Well, not only that, but there's a lot of scenes of him just driving around creepy in the mask and standing around creepy, mm-hmm. and no one acknowledges it. And I get it that it's close to Halloween, but, like, no one acknowledges the fact that they keep seeing And I feel like that that would have been creepier if people were like, who is this fucking psycho? But it's almost, like, played off as, like, it's almost a figment of a Jamie Lee Curtis's imagination. And that brings also like the editing in this film. I think you would, there's a lot, this is a very old fashioned edited film where like the, the cold open where they zoom out and you see Michael Myers standing there, the little kid with the knife and his parents are just kind of horrified. They hold that shot for like what feels like 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, Oh my God, is anyone going to cut? Is anyone going to cut? Can like people leave? Can 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 they go to craft services now? What's what's <laughs> happening? And there's a lot of other like weird j- jarring cuts when there's a murder happening or when there's like uh, when Michael Myers is breaking out of the prison and he's doing his weird circus to so- right. soleil act. That's not a cut so much. Is my question there is what is. Uh- what kind of crazy is he? What is he driven by? What is I don't understand how he can be so crazy that he can't, you know, think he can't. Yeah, is he a mindless killer? Is he capable of complex, complex tasks like exactly driving a car, like setting plot, like setting traps and machinations for people? He knows exactly how to get back to his old house and presumably the directions and the traffic laws. He doesn't arouse any suspicion in the stolen yeah. vehicle, gets right back there. But also he has to do the spider crawl over the car to steal it. Yeah, like I so <laughs> I thought it was very far into the movie i don't think they established the fact that this guy's super strong like i just thought he was just a run-of-the-mill crazy person he's grown up in mental institutions like how is he so jacked how is he so ripped is he just naturally that kind of strong because to the point where like when they show him like the fact that he just stole what is his mother's gravestone his sister's sister's gravestone i just laughed out loud because i'm like who the fuck can pick up a gravestone but apparently just michael myers is that freakishly strong so but i thought like yeah, wouldn't it be just more terrifying if he just came forward, ripped open a door, and grabbed the person and just threw them out and then Turk took off? Like, why the spider monkey routine, jumping on the car? Right, it's just to give Dr. Loomis an excuse to say, Michael's loose, and that's pure evil that's escaped. So what you're supposed to understand is that he is supernatural in some kind of way. But they don't establish it. And again, like if he was uh, unnaturally quick and agile, I would get it. Or if he was just like this strong gorilla, crazy person like Jason Voorhees, I would get it. But I don't feel like they kind of established it. And again, they wrote the script in less than 10 days. And I was reading an article where uh, John Carpenter like was giving the direction for Michael Myers and like his motivation and stuff. And he's like, no, 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 that's not that kind of thing. Like you're supposed to be like this remorseless thoughtless killer and his direction is literally you walk from this mark to this mark and do as little as possible just let the mask and the breathing noises kind of carry it and it kind of works but i felt like yeah the the idea of this person being pure evil or if he was i don't know if they're trying to suggest he's possessed by some kind of demonic force but like how is he so crazy strong man strong 
There's like a there's like an asylum prison yard that he works out in all the time. Yeah, he <laughs> and came out asylum swole. Yeah, he. <laughs> so and they, you know, I, I understand how you didn't get this the first time. Maybe another watch would reward you, but mm-hmm. he actually killed the sister for no reason whatsoever. But while he was in well, there in the asylum, uh-huh. he was possessed by a demon, and then when he got out, he was possessed by a mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not there in the text, so you oh, figure really? it out. You yeah. have to see the 2018 yeah. <laughs> uh, remake to understand all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I get your point. They should have given him like less impetus yeah. and more, you know, let the audience draw their own conclusions. Because John Carpenter also said that this isn't about good and evil. That Jamie Lee Curtis is not the embodiment of pure, virtuous girl really? things. She did and it. he's not he isn't thwarted because she's pure good and he's not pure evil. He said things along those lines. It's funny because his the text of his movie is just a plain reading of that. Like, she at one point pushes back, like, I can't remember what she says, but it's like, you know, I've done stuff. But it's almost like the nerdy kid trying to, like, you know, oh, sure, sure you did, Jamie. Mm-hmm. Sure you did. I bet you fucked all the guys. Yeah, your boyfriend's at another school. I get it. Uh-huh. Yeah, so she is said as, like, the sober, responsible good girl and michael myers is said to be the personification of evil so i don't know i mean there's a lot of other weird things um just in the production because they only they had a very tight schedule like there's several scenes in like the first act of the film where the streets are wet streets are dry streets are wet streets are dry (laughs) like it's kind of weird like that um there is just the sex scenes are crazy to me because they're always like less than 30 seconds long. <laughs> and the guy like that, that one where um, Michael Myers is killing his sister, kind of like tracking her through the house mm-hmm. as he sees her having sex. Like that scene was like less than 30 seconds. And the guy comes down like fully dressed like, ah, oh, had a great sex session. And then later on, when the uh, friend of Jamie Lee Curtis is having sex with her boyfriend, it's like less than 30 seconds. And she's like totally satisfied right. with it. Yep. It's really fucking funny. And then... When her friend is being murdered naked by Michael Myers and she manages to call Jamie and she's just moaning and groaning <laughs> and doing the like, when Harry met Sally, I'll have what she's having yeah. phone call. Yes. It just is kind of hilarious. Uh, but there's also a lot of like Jamie Lee Curtis struggling with doorknobs to get away. There's in the last act, like Michael Myers has her dead to rights like two or three times. And he's just suddenly hilariously inept with swinging the knife Mm -hmm. and can't kill her. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say that like once they dispense with that and they just get down to like, you know, the killable Michael Myers coming after Jamie Lee Curtis and he gets shot and that stuff actually started to become effective. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't I feel like the movie was long for what it was trying to do um and it felt a lot padded out by them just wanting to make a feature length rather than I mean it's only 91 minutes so mm-hmm. I get it you cut 10 15 minutes of teenagers just kind of fucking around and yeah. tighten it up and now you're looking at like uh, a made for TV movie mm-hmm. but I think that's kind of what you got Right I I've seen maybe some of the, or I have seen some of the more recent ones, but classic horror movies aren't exactly my cup of tea, so I haven't seen a lot of them, mm-hmm. but I can't say that I'll I'll follow up and watch more of these. Nah, I mean, we just, I, it, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's interesting to see the DNA of the slasher film and how it's evolved over time. Right. 
Um, and it's a great concept. It just in and obviously it worked for its day. I mean, there's a reason it's it's one of the hallowed, ha, no pun intended, <laughs> movie movies of its uh, of its genre. Right. Um, but it's just like you know, I just saw um, The Exorcist. I think last year with Jim for a, a commission podcast, and that's a scary movie that really fucking holds up. Because there's a lot of movie there, and there's a lot of atmospheric set, and there's a lot of setting of the characters, and just the kind of horror and creepiness and dread, and it, it takes its time to establish that before it gets into. Whereas this, um, just again feels feels like it uh, it is what it is, and a late seventies, uh, low budget, incredibly constrained uh, uh, horror film. Mm-hmm. Here's what's new and premium content for our club members. No lunch this week, as I'll be traveling on vacation, but get ready for next week when we have the rare, elusive, dare I say premium lunch with Talitha and Aaron. And while you're waiting for the return of the king, don't forget May is the time to switch your Patreon tiers to make sure you maintain your full benefits by June. Stop by support.ballmove.com to check your Patreon levels to see the new benefits and decide which one is right for you. And finally, tickets are now on sale for Badass Fest 6. Come meet us live and in person, watch a mystery badass film with us, and then hear us record the podcast right there in front of you in a theater packed with Bald Move fans. Get your details and your tickets at baldmove.com live. If you want more Bald Move in your life, head over to support.baldmove.com right now to find out how you can get tons of bonus audio and video content plus ad-free feeds. Do you have anything else you want to say about Halloween? Uh, that's all I've got. You want to move on to the next one? Yes. Next one is the kind of wild card movie. Uh, it's the movie Spring, which is from 2014, dress, uh, directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, who also directed The Endless, which we were really high on the last Spooktacular. Yes, we covered that one. All of our previous Spooktaculars are going to be in the show notes, too, yes. of course. Uh, I but this one is not okay. So they made a couple of movies, yes. and speaking of low budget type of things, they do the most with what they have. Mm-hmm. They made a previous or a prequel to The Endless called Resolution. Mm-hmm. I think this movie Spring falls in between those two being made. Mm. I this spring so Spring is an urban fantasy romance. And I wanted it to be more of a horror film. Yes. It's like um, the shape of water, except for it's the shape of whatever monster she's turning into. <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to. I mean, obviously, spoilers for all this stuff. If you haven't seen it, you shouldn't be listening to this part of the podcast. Uh, the, the leads are very attractive and appealing, but and I think they do a good job. And actually, the movie looks really well. Mm-hmm. And kudos to people to pick out all the locations and stuff. But it just always goes for humor or romance when I was wanting to be scary. And I was really expecting kind of like a gut punch, jaw drop, kind of awesome moment at the end that kind of recontextualizes everything. And they just went for a conventional happy ever after Mm -hmm. story. I... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm just going to say that I feel like I love what they're going for. Mm-hmm. I so the, like so... the blend of horror and uh, romance and all of those things. I feel like it's done really well. I didn't 
I didn't find myself wanting more of a horror movie, uh-huh. but I did find myself wanting a little bit of a different ending. I so the the basic concept of this movie is there is a a young woman, apparently young woman, who's over two thousand years old, and she's got some kind of protean genetic uh, abnormality that causes her to rapidly like lose control of her body's like cellular mutations and whatnot. Every I think. Tw- either like 14 or 21 years at some kind of point and she has to have sex with a man take his genetic material and combine it with her dna and she essentially like becomes a new person right she gets pregnant every spring and then reuses those cells to reinvent herself essentially yeah, like she like digests the fetus and turns it into like internally i forget what the word they say it's like they it's it's there's two things she can either have a normal pregnancy in which case she loses her immortality powers mm-hmm. or she recom- she remixes that DNA and some kind of concluding process and they show it it's pretty disgusting there is some body horror here mm-hmm. where she's turning into squid people and insects and like werewolves and like, there's a lot of points where I-, I thought this was like a werewolf movie mm-hmm. that he's like falling in love with the werewolf next door or something like that but I thought it was going to be sort of like a succubus thing where she has to. That would have been it. cool, but the fact that it's you know it the and there's also just ludicrous amounts of exposition where she's like, check this for like two thousand years. I well, don't not, know what, I don't know what the fuck was well, going on. Well, not until on. the end. I think the first two thirds of this movie are really great in the way they set it up and sure. the way that you only see flashes of. You know, she's about to transform. You see some bones under her shirt and she injects herself and you're not sure what's going to happen. You see her inject herself after like a full transformation and she's just in a shower with blood everywhere. Like right. You're not exactly sure what's going to happen. She, she, she There's some implied attacking of villagers. Right. And, uh, and, it, and it tourists. Isn't, exactly. And it isn't until the very end or the ends that they just like quickly exposit via the text of the I felt like the whole there. third act was just exposition of like check this out I'm a 2000 year old shape-shifting bozo but in the last 30 years I started studying molecular biology and it turns out I got all these this like what did she do in the dark ages without syringes like what what was exa- and plus they explain so much but there's still so many things up in the air right and then they even kind of undo some things from before like there's one scene where she gets she has a couple of bunnies and she goes to this cave with this book and she does this yeah, she does mix- this whole ritual where she draws in blood on the walls and you think and you just don't know what kind of thing is controlling this and in the end she explains oh that was just that was just the thing I tried I don't yeah, know, you know I've, tried a, I've tried science and it wasn't working so I went to witchcraft I'm like what you didn't get your fill of witchcraft in like the 12th century right. like i'm sure there was all kinds of fucking occult things you could have tried and rabbits you because because i thought that maybe the rabbits were emergency backup food for if she needed to suck blood because i was also like is she a werewolf is she some kind of fucking vampire like what is she a zombie or like a, a mummy or well, what the hell and like the ultimate answer was way too much explanation kind of boring and also, like, there was a sense of ominous dread. Like, I thought that uh, one of the other things is she might be um, kind of like an Edward from Twilight, where she's like the perfect predator, and she's very charming and seductive. And she's telling this whole guy, like, hey, this isn't going to work out, and you're not going to like what you're going to get. And I thought she's just going to eat the guy. Mm-hmm. Like, it was going to be like a Black Widow type of situation. I would have liked that. And they shot it at the end like this guy has fucking gotten Twitter paid to this monster and he's going to march right into her jaws 
But it turns out, yeah, he's got nope. nothing left to lose in a foreign country. She never just fell be in missed. love with him. And the other thing they don't understand is like this woman is two thousand years old. This is Twilight's problem. Edward is like 180 years old. He's, he lived through the civil fucking war. What the fuck does this 16 year old girl? Why is the fascination there? Right. Why is this person who's seen 2000 years of world history and is incredibly well educated, is wealthy, is a globe. Why is she f- fascinated with this American who is having like a European fling uh, just to get over a bad, a bad relationship and life situation? No, it wasn't bad. It was, uh, no, it was his like, mother dying. His mother died. And his family died. And he, he's like, angry, and he's like, I, I just don't understand. Like, they didn't. There was a little bit of physical chemistry there, but again, she's two thousand years old. Right. She is. He essentially like pestered her into falling in love with him. I didn't understand. She seduced at least appeal. fifty, sixty year old, the sixty generations of men to continue her life. Like, I don't. If if it's just a physical connection, I don't understand why she quote unquote falls in love with him. Right. They didn't really. You know, it's it's it was it's a it's a sweet kind of high school college level romance, mm-hmm. but they cast a two thousand year old immortal to play the 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 girl part of it, and it just that really kind of bothered me, and, and a little fell flat for me. Uh, I yes, I mean it's a tale as old as time. We all want to feel important to someone who's who's really old and knowledgeable. I can understand the appeal of that. It doesn't need to be justified, really. I think that I just think this story would have held up a little bit better if we hadn't known in the end what the choice was. Yeah. If they had if they had ended it on that shot of, you know, she says the last monster I turn into before I regenerate my cells or however it works, it's going to be the biggest and nastiest of all and you're probably going to die. Right. And if they, they zoom in on his face and you hear her transforming, you hear her growl and things into all kind of like in like her bones are moving unnaturally. Like if they just f- faded the black, you just leave it there and let us suppose. Yeah. I would have liked the movie probably twice as much as I did, which Still, I don't think I, I don't I don't know if this is a solid recommendation because because, uh, again, I was just looking for something scary. And there was like mm. and they also play with that. Like uh, she's in they're in like some crypt together, like in like a day or two before she's going to transform. And he tries to get close to Chris the, to kiss her. And she like kind of briefly morphs into an animal and snaps at him. <laughs> So it's like they kept and that element like of some, dread and danger there. There are comedy moments where they're on a rock and they're having a, they're by the seaside having a chat yeah. and they're kissing and it's all sweet. And then you fan down and she's got an octopus arm. It's like, that was funny yeah, when you got, used it like a scary before. To, he's got a scorpion tail that I thought might've even stung me a couple of times that that never mm. really, it's, it's there. It, it's almost a commentary of how dumb young men are right like hey i've got kids and i might have a sexually transmitted disease and i don't have a job and i don't have like there's you'll still find a guy being like well i don't care i love you how you are like i I, but i I, that that i don't know that's that if that's the moral they were going for like some kind of um black widow situation they lost her nerve at the end by having her have the conventional because they mentioned that's happened to her mom too right like this happened and she fell in love 2000 years ago and that's how she got born uh and then they died in pompeii there's also the weird thing where the volcano explodes in the background mm. and i thought like oh that's the thing like there's some kind of family curse like mm. the second she finds love then the volcano comes but that wasn't it Maybe. either well we don't know that we don't know the answer to that one but the volcano erupts and like what the fuck I mean, she also says that she doesn't really understand how it works. It's just this is her understanding so far. Right. So it could still be the volcano. Maybe she didn't fall in love with him. 
<laughs> so, yeah, when a I volcano don't know. erupts, she just uh, pulls you out of your cycle and you're yeah. immortal. I mean, I, I still highly recommend this movie. I think it's it's great for something that you haven't really seen before. Not exactly scary if you're looking for scary. It's but... more of a date night movie than a spectacular is what I, I yeah. would say. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you're like... Uh, if you are a teenager or like to remember what being a teenager is like, or you're like a very young person that mm-hmm. doesn't have a lot of experience with relationships and love, this is probably going to, you know, be an unconventional mind blower for you. But <laughs> the, none of those things apply to me. Okay. <laughs> so I I say it's a pass. We move on to the last, the, the big budget current year horror film, Oh, the Week, Brightburn. <laughs> Brightburn. Brightburn was written by the Lesser Gun brothers, Brian and Mark, uh, brothers of James Gunn, who the f- famous pro- director of uh, the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, among other things. Uh-huh. Directed by their buddy David Yaravesky, who hasn't done really anything but this movie. Um, he did, I think, some second director unit work on guardians and done some stuff like that with the gun brothers but this is his first feature film um this is essentially the tale of what if superman came to earth and he was psychotic uh and that is an a plus concept when i saw this trailer i thought hot damn that is a really great take on superman Mm -hmm. and i can't wait to see it there's a couple problems though. Number one, it takes an A plus concept and executes it at like a D minus level. Right. Secondly, this if you've seen The Boys, which is Amazon superhero mm-hmm. deconstruction that also features like this is not a spoiler. It's revealed in the first episode a psychotic adult Superman. Yeah. This movie just essentially rips off a lot of the best moments of the graphic of the graphic novel and subsequent series. So if you've seen if you uh, saw like I did The Boys before you saw Brightburn. A lot of the big, like jaw-dropping, holy shit moments are executed better in Bright in, in the boys. Yeah, Brightburn did it first, though. N- not I really, because the graphic novel has all these elements in it. Oh, and does it? There's no way I don't believe that the Gun Brothers have read the graphic yeah. novel and just straight up lifted that stuff out of it. Right. They just changed it to like, well, that's a psychotic adult. What if he's just like a mm-hmm. uh, a Michael Myers knifing yeah. people for no good reason? This guy's you know blasting people with his eye lasers and (laughs) like i said it's yeah uh, it's all the powers of young superman it's just that this kid has got a fucking screw loose what i appreciate about this movie is that it doesn't waste any of your time no it they know who they are they are not doing anything other than this is the superman origin story except it's got it's got a little twist so immediately up front they just put you right in the action Mm mm-hmm they don't spend any time building up to it. Uh, that being said, it's still an almost two-hour movie. <laughs> yeah, with a lot and, and going on. Fir- and it's dense. Like the first thirty minutes feels like ninety, and that's not even really a criticism. Like I actually was enjoying that part of it because they hit. Like there's so many great parts where, like you know, in the Richard Donner Superman, where the the crystal in a spacecraft calls to him, and it turns out that he's being called to the North Pole to make the uh, the the Fortress of Solitude, and he uses that chip to communicate with his dead kind of like heavenly father, who is a very just and righteous person. That happens here, except for he's being called like to destruction. Like apparently he's from an alien race of like fucking locusts, and his spaceship is calling him to dominate and take over the planet. So it's like every little bit, like where the original Superman was sweet and hopeful. 
and and innocent and just this is like uh, perverted and it plays out that way i think i think really well but then they kind of just ran out of ideas at the second act mark and mm. right they, they just started doing the boys stuff like you know what superman can do superman can take you up real high and drop you well you know what he can do he can burn your skull out with his eye right. beams he yeah can... i'm not exactly sure what the what his race was or what their intention was on earth because they did and you as the eagle-eyed viewer noticed this immediately the first time through but they talk about how there are bees wasps that will have that will force other creatures into raising their young for them mm. and then once they're ready come and take them back yeah so i thought that towards the end once he really comes into his powers that his race would come back and take him back or take earth with him but no it just seems like you're gonna have this uh insane superman run the world doing shit and there's like all these like newspaper clippings of what he's doing and i mean i i don't know there's a couple i thought elizabeth banks was really effective at being like what would you be like if this was your well how how would ma clark react if this was if if uh you know clark did this uh, and I think this is a pretty good, like, she clearly loves the boy. She wants to save him. But then there's a point where, you know, she realizes that the best thing she can do is put this kid out of his misery. But he's also Superman. He's just really, really hard to kill. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, there's there's a semi-decent kind of, like, troubled youth angle to this that I thought was interesting. Like, you know... Uh, what what do you do if you have a child that's exhibiting these antisocial te- tendencies, and what kind of therapy can you get them? And I thought there was there was some of that. It just like they had a solid idea, and there's three or four supporting ideas they had with it, and not all of them worked. There's like there is just a lot of um in the in the, especially in the third act, a lot of like really effective and gross gore. Um, Badger. Uh, from Breaking Bad fame yes. is in this film, uh, Matt Jones, and he gets killed hard. Like, but but that, but that was weird too. Like, right, the whole can. Uh, the, uh, he shows up, bad and it's clear that this kid has murdered, or that this there, there's been an intruder in his home, and this kid has done something terrible, and he doesn't know that he's super powered yet. I think, and his reaction is to just flee the house and just take off in his truck. But his wife is there. His wife is still there. His wife doesn't know. So there's a couple of compounding things here. The boy shows up uh-huh. and has already made the, the wife, his teacher or his guidance counselor, really uncomfortable. That's his. That's his that's his, his aunt. mom's sister. Yeah, his yeah. aunt. Yeah, who's also his guidance counselor. And like, what? That there's no way that would ever happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and she doesn't tell her sister that her 12 year old boy's wandering the woods at night mm-hmm. because clearly he can't drive. No one brought him, so he's just walking around. She doesn't tell her sister before she goes to bed. Even though this kid's already been portrayed as being disturbed, and he just broke a girl's arm, mm-hmm. and he, you know, has a lot of press. So she, this guy comes and creeps her to fuck out mm-hmm. and she doesn't call and be like hey i just had a really weird interaction with kal over here yeah what the hell doesn't like call, no one talks to anyone doesn't call her husband to say hey if you're heading home can you keep an eye out for this boy who's probably going to be walking yeah i mean it would, <laughs> he, the thing that's frustrating is it wouldn't even matter because he, he's, he's superman there's nothing they can do can stop him right but, they but don't, they're not exactly sure of that yet they well, just know he's disturbed in a way i guess that's true i mean 
there is a way to stop him and it involves using scraps of this like the kryptonite thing like yeah. apparently parts of his spaceship are lethal to him yeah. or that metal is so strong or so sharp that it can cut him so there is a little glimmer of hope that elizabeth banks is going to figure out a way to like you know terminate this guy but i don't understand what tension is ramped up by the mother being in the dark about this and it's just completely ludicrous there's no way these characters wouldn't call each other about the situation that just happened Hmm. there's no way um and that happens throughout the movies there's just like you know why doesn't this character report that this thing happened why didn't this character tell it's also i felt like it would have been more effective if uh, the pocket character the the adoptive father superman wasn't just like the second that anything bad wrong just like I've turned completely around on this kid. He's psycho. He's got no, like way before you find out he's Superman. He's got all these crazy powers. Like this guy just goes full on. Fuck this kid that we adopted and he's bad and he's evil and we should. And there was none of that. And I think also this movie had been helped if instead of trying to stuff the first 30 minutes of this with like dark inversions of Superman mythos, it's just spend time showing that this kid is a sweet, innocent boy who like, is just, there's there's nothing intrinsically wrong with him, so you feel the horror of him going into darkness and into into the side of darkness. And the only way they've got to tell that is Elizabeth Banks' face and her grief and sorrow. But it would have been a lot. I felt like I was I was told and not shown, and they could have easily spent that first thirty minutes just having him spend time with the family and seeing them being sweet together and happy together to juxtapose the third act, which is truly a nightmare. But mm-hmm. I didn't give a shit about any of these characters, right? You know, beyond their archetype, so right, that didn't really work. They're also going for like a certain aesthetic too. Like she's this. I mean, the, both of the parents are very young. I I still think that they're both a little bit young to be playing people who desperately want a child so much that they're going to keep the alien that lands in the field. But yeah. I don't. I mean, maybe tell me about the desperation of wanting a child. I, I bought I bought them in their in their like mid to the late thirties. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm just saying that it's 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 a young mentality. It's like watching an episode of house hunters Mm -hmm. and they have all this farmland and everything multi-million dollar properties but she's like a a miniature painter and he's a yeah 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 yeah. i don't know he's a wood canoe restorer wealthy parents is what it is they're they're pretending to be farmers yeah that i guess that's just what i meant like a whole there's a whole like aesthetic going on there that they tried to sell you on first yeah before all of their relationships are sold to you yeah they're just told to you but i was bummed because i was really hoping that this would be uh like the the early years graphic novel companion to the boys and it was not it was i think it's it's yeah a plus concept of the d d minus execution is about what it says the effects are really good again some of the violent logistic like yeah, the I, I I lost my the plot of the badger thing, but that's I think the kill of the the movie where they he yeah. just destroys this man's face, his like whole jaw is like broken, dangling off. Yeah, and, uh, horrible. It, Some of the things he does to like the waitress, even the little girl that yeah. he's got this crush on, and then I was appreciative of this because I've never seen it before. But he picks up his mom in the end. 
and flies through a roof mm-hmm. and you see the actual effects of a person going through a building mm-hmm. all on her face yeah, <laughs> like yeah. we just saw this in harry potter they were rode on the back of a dragon through a roof and everyone's fine right right but that was that was really horrifying to me as well yeah no like i said there's some in effective effective set pieces but there was no emotional connection or really sense of horror or dread that led up to it. Um, there's a couple effective jump scares involving this kid. Um, they don't really explain. I don't. It does. It does, They don't really explain like why he invented the the creepy mask and the symbol. Um, like to me, that was just checking off. Well, we know he should be Superman, so we need some kind of creepy fucked up cape. And S is a symbol of hope. We need. Well, his name's Bobby burns or something like that so it's the bb but also he lives in the town of brightburn, brightburn it's the name of the movie so the bb there too yeah yeah just, so i i there, there's a couple of those things that weren't clear there you to go me. you figure it out <laughs> i don't know I, I feel like that they had in mind like a trilogy of these because clearly they're baiting a sequel at the end absolutely uh, he doesn't get caught or he's not hurt or slowed down at all yeah but i don't know where it goes because again everything that this movie does is done better in adult form in the boys and that is like it's it's just damn shame because I think I would have liked this as kind of like oh yeah this is kind of cool and man it would be fucked up if Superman was evil but I just saw just the best version of psychotic Superman over the late summer and this ain't it Chief mm-hmm. this ain't it so I think yeah I did I think you fucked up Gun Brothers so yeah I feel I feel bad I feel like this is kind of a, a bummer episode you didn't like any of the first three movies uh I mean. But that's some sometimes the way it goes, and it's not like I thought. I thought spring was fine. It just wasn't scary, and this is the spectacular. Damn it! I wanted I wanted more scares, <laughs> all yeah, right, especially from these guys. And I, I did. I maybe if I'd known going in that this isn't really a horror movie. It's a again, it's an urban fantasy romance. It's it's essentially what if you fell in love with a shapeshifter you know um and also if you take the fact that she's going to eat you off the table you know it's twilight it's twilight with a a cthulhu monster also i felt like that there was i i saw some advanced kind of things i saw that said that this was like a love like a lovecrafting tale i didn't buy that there's no cosmic horror there's no like disquieting thoughts there's no like there's more of her out there stalking there's like all like what what there's think, a little bit of body horror and there's one tentacle that does not a Lovecraft movie make. So I felt like the I think thing, the unknown is a Lovecraftian thing. Sure. I, yeah. But like John I, Carpenter's I, The Thing, Lovecraft as fuck. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? We'll we'll pick better spooks next time. Yeah. We'll pick we'll pick pick better spooks. It's early days. We got a. This is the this is the PG this is the Gremlins version of the the spooktacular. It's just it's got mild thrills. Yeah. Mild <laughs> thrills. We're gonna work up until as we get closer to Halloween. I don't know. I, I might be cashing checks that my spook butt can't cash. Right. We've got writing a... checks. I can't even get my analogies right. I'm I'm cashing checks. My butt can't. <laughs> writing checks. My butt. Can't. I don't know. Does it, does the check right? Does the ass write or cash checks? What are you talking about? You never heard of like your have, your mouth is writing checks that your ass can't can't yeah, get, yeah. catch cash. Yes, you're getting your you're getting your hopes up is what you're saying, yeah. and you are going to be prepared to be disappointed. So lower your hopes. Well, I do cash know that lower amounts of checks into your account. <laughs> to try not to write so many fake checks. Uh, I think we got at least one solid. Like everyone says, Midsomner. 
is going to be ama- is is amazing and scary and weird and creepy and surely surely we'll get something out of that we'll see we're not exactly sure we're not willing to say for certain which movies we're going to cover in the next two volumes coming out this Whoops. month but we will be covering a lot of other movies uh, if you go to the forums.baldmove.com, we've got a cinematic spooktacular thread going where you can throw out your suggestions. You can we're involved in that discussion, saying what we have and haven't watched, and the current contenders for movies right now. You never heard of our spooktaculars again. The previous year's coverage are in the notes, and we have broken down many dozens at this point dozens of scary movies over the years, and there's a couple goodies. Tens of movies have been Tens. covered. Tens, dozens. There's dozens <laughs> of them out there. We'll be back in 10 days for Spooktacular 3, Part 2, More Search for More Spook. (laughs) No. Until then, (laughs) I may run. Give our proper title. Until then, I may run. And I'm Cecily. See ya. And you can mash. And you can monster mash. The monster mash. And do my graveyard smash. Then you can mash. You'll catch on and all fly. Then you can mash. Then you can monster mash. Monster Mash! Monster Mash!